listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Go to www.qr.com.au. G'day and thanks for joining us for episode 102 of On The Road. On this week's show, Mike's joined by Athena Ferraro from the NHVR to talk about permits, gazetted roads, map systems, logbooks, and work diaries and more. I go bush to this year's Variety Bash to talk to Bo Ness, identical twin brothers who are setting the Aussie music scene on fire. Mike has something to talk about later in the show about driver recruitment. There's all the latest from the On The Road newsroom, plus a great new track from On The Road favourite James Johnston with Kaylee Bell. It's all you've come to expect from Australia's number one trucking podcast and more, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get over that! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Truckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Well, it was about time we started having a bit of a chat with the regulator, the NHVR. Now, some of you will say, oh, why are we talking to them? We're talking to them because they're the ones that we end up talking to on the side of the road, and they're a great source of information. Get it straight from the horse's mouth, not some bush lawyer in a roadhouse, all right? So I've got hold of Athena Ferraro. She is a stakeholder engagement officer in Queensland. I was lucky enough to meet her up at the NRFA conference at Toowoomba, Athena organises the side of the road meeting points and she goes out to these things and there's a lot of questions. So today we're going to work through two or three questions that Athena gets with her team and try and get some answers. At this point, I would encourage anyone who's got questions to email them to me, mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au and we'll get Athena or another stakeholder officer on to talk about it. Athena, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. It's entirely our pleasure. We've got some questions to work through today, but before we do, like you've been in it with the regulator for about seven years, I believe. What's been your main role at the regulator? So my background at the NHVR for the seven years has all been around the heavy vehicle access side of things. So starting off in the access team as an access facilitator. So on the other side of the fence, they're processing the permit applications and done a few other things in the project spaces and also training did a fair bit in the NHVR portal customer training side of things as well. Okay, so you know your way around a permit then? Yes, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, that's handy. It's a good job that you know your way around permits because I think the first couple of questions revolve around permits. The first question obviously is, do I need a permit? How do I work out if I need a permit? What do I need to do? Yeah, look, so I'll start by taking it back to the law Mm. because it's good to know how it connects, I think. Mm. 
and getting a better understanding there. So under the heavy vehicle national law, it states that a restricted access vehicle needs to obtain approval to travel on public roads. So under the law, there is two ways of obtaining that approval. The first is by a gazette or a notice. So a gazette and a notice are exactly the same thing. Yeah. They're a public legal document that can be valid for up to five years. And as long as the operator can comply with the configuration, mass dimensions, operating conditions of that notice, it gives you access to an approved network and an approved list of roads. If the operator then needs to travel on roads to and from that approved network or cannot comply with the notice or any notices, the operator will then need a permit. So the heavy vehicle road access permit is the second type of approval under the law. So the first being the notice, and if you can't comply with the notice, then you need a permit. A permit is a legal document that can only be issued by the NHVR for a maximum of three years. However, the NHVR must consult with the affected state and local council road managers to obtain their approval because at the end of the day, it's their roads. They have to give us their approval. That process is managed by the NHVR portal system. Sorry, Mike, I just wanted to put that in there. If you're looking for a permit, mm. you must apply via the NHVR portal system. Okay, so what all that means really is that if we've got a gazetted road like a B-double gazette, yep. I take it that's what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. And my depot is a short distance from the gazetted route, then I need a permit to take my B-double as a combination from the gazetted route to where my depot is. We need to go through and get a permit which is facilitated through the NHVR and authorised by the local council. That's the meat and potatoes of what you said, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. So when we go ahead and we, we start doing these things, we get copies of notices and we get copies of permits and all that. What do we need to cart around with us in the truck to keep the NHVR officer happy when we get pulled over for a random check or something like that? Yeah, so definitely it's a legal requirement to carry a copy of the issued permit document. And that's because a permit is issued specifically and privately to that business or to that individual driver. And it will have on that permit the specific company listed, the specific approved configuration, mass dimensions with the specifically approved route. So it is important and a legal requirement that you carry a copy of that issued permit. Now, the way things are heading are these days, you don't have to have a printed out copy of it in your glove box. You can carry that electronically. Right. It's important that when you are pulled over by a compliance officer or a police officer, you just must be able to produce a copy of that permit. So whether that's electronically or paper copy, as long as you can produce it. Okay. So permit is a definite must. And then look, the recommendation there is also check your permit because as a condition, you might be required to carry other documentation with you. That's things like your third party approvals. Some of the special permits that are issued for drought mm -hmm. have a condition that you have to carry some additional documentation with you. For a PBS vehicle, you must carry a copy of the vehicle approval or the VA document. The last one here I want to talk about, which comes up a fair bit, is the notice document. So because a notice is a public document, you do not legally have to carry a copy of it. There is an exception to that rule, as there always is, to make things a bit trickier. Mm. But the NHVR website does have a page there where it lists all of the notices you have to legally carry. And they're not your common notices like your B-double or your OSM or your PBS. Mm. They're really specific, more on the odd occasions for those notices. So there is an NHVR website page if you want to check it out. But generally speaking, you do not have to carry a copy of the notice. Right. 
So we don't have to have a copy of the B-Double Gazette in the cab anymore. No, no. And look, if it saves having a whole bunch of paper in there, Hmm. then by all means, it's not a legal requirement. But in saying that too, a lot of drivers still feel like they would like to print it out and carry it with them and have a read of it occasionally. And that's fine too. Right. Well, let's slip off for a minute and hear from one of the sponsors and we'll go on a little bit with this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Righto, we're back with a Stakeholder Engagement Officer from Queensland, Athena Ferraro. Now, you know what I'd like? I'd like it if you guys could actually get the map system sorted out so it makes sense. <laughs> some of it sometimes is a little bit hard to understand, some of the roads and how they link up or don't link up. I know I've had issues with that in the past. Yeah. But it's not as bad now as it used to be, is it, I don't think? No, look, continuing to make improvements in that space always. I know one of the key focuses moving into the future now for the NHGR portal and the mapping system is to continue to improve our mapping tool and to make it more and more user-friendly. It's definitely a focus of ours and something we're continuing to aim to improve. Yeah, well, there aren't very many good systems around, particularly for B-doubles and road trains oversize over mass vehicles with the mapping systems to make sure that you stay on the right route. It's pretty easy to get caught, I suppose. I had my first experience with HML last week and that was a bit of an eye-opener for me. Yeah, I know in Queensland, because that's the state I look after, Mm. you've got your normal B-double gazette or notice to look into Mm. and then you've got your HML notice to look into as well and Mm. definitely something to be conscious of when you're looking at those legally enforceable network maps to see where you can and cannot go. It's actually two different layers you have to turn on. So switching on your GML B-double layer and then switching on the HML layer as well to just make sure that both of those layers overlap. And then if you're travelling on roads where they're both approved, then you're good to go. Yeah, no worries. Well, the last one, I suppose, is probably an interesting one at this time. A lot of guys are changing over to electronic work diaries now. And I don't know about you, but I certainly get asked lots of questions about how long do I have to keep that paper logbook in the cab for and what happens to it because it's still got pages in it that I haven't used and we changed to an electronic work diary. And I had a guy say to me the other day, well, there's the question about you're not supposed to run two work diaries at once. What happens? No one knows. What's the story there, Athena? Can you help us out with that one? Yeah, definitely. I guess the golden thing to remember here is always the 28-day rule. Yeah. So when you're switching from your logbook to either the electronic work diary or the EWD, or you're switching from your logbook to local rest records, you always have to hang on to your logbook or keep it with you for 28 days. So that's not completing duplicate records. You just need to carry those previous 28 days worth of records with you 
so that in the case that you're pulled over by an enforcement officer or a police officer, you can produce the last 28 days of those records. I've got some scenarios here that I'm happy to run through. Yep. Hopefully I don't add any further confusion, but uh, hopefully it clarifies a few things. So the first one here is in the scenario where you have been traveling outside of your 100 kilometer radius of your depot and therefore you've been completing the logbook. Mm. If then the following day you start traveling within that 100 kilometers radius and you switch to completing your local rest records, well, then the golden rule comes into play again. You have to keep your logbook with you, even if you are just working locally for 28 days. Yep. The next one here I've got, if you have been completing your logbook and then you switch to the electronic work diary, then once again, you have to hang on to that logbook and keep it with you for 28 days. It's a good idea to always hang on to that logbook anyway, for whatever reason, if the electronic work diary goes down or something's happened. And then that way you've got your logbook with you as a backup plan anyway. Right. Obviously, you can just treat that as a supplementary sheet then until you get your electronic work diary sorted out and back up and running again. Yeah, exactly. What happens in the event that the electronic work diary simply fails and you don't have anything with you? You just do a supplementary sheet like you would have if you'd run out of work diary pages? Yeah, definitely. Look, in those scenarios, the important thing to remember is just keep really good notes, whether you've got a piece of paper in your glove box that you can just keep the record of. Mm. If you get back into reception on the NHVR website page, you can also submit those records through our Contact Us page. Yep. But yeah, it's just about keeping those records so that when you do get back to a time where you can complete a logbook, you can sort of go back and fill that in. These things that happen on the side of the road or they happen at the service stations, etc., where you guys set up and you're there to answer questions for drivers, what goes into that? What do you need to do to organise that? And what have you got coming up in the future in Queensland? Look, we try to get out as much as possible, especially since COVID, just to get out and talk face-to-face with industry. And most importantly, if you guys did have any questions to pop in where we're sort of available to ask those questions. So we like to be hopefully where it's easiest for you guys to drop in. So all the service stations on the roadside. We also hold a few info sessions out of like the local leagues club where people from the depot can also come in. Some of the admin staff or compliance managers can also come in and ask you questions. Yeah, look, we just hope to have a chat to industry, better understand the concerns. And if you guys have any questions, happy to hopefully answer those on the spot, but also we're sort of a connection point into the NHVR. So always happy to go and find out more information for you as well from those sessions. So if someone wants to get in contact with you directly, how do they do that? Our email address is info at nhvr.gov.au and happy for you to address it directly to myself. So Athena, A-T-H-E-N-A or by giving us a call on 136487. And once again, happy for you to ask to have a chat to myself directly if you do have any questions. So that's 136487? Yep, that's it. No worries. Is there anything else that you want to address while we're here? You said that you had some stuff coming up. Yeah, so I've got a bit of a trip coming up at the end of this month. So 29th of August to the 2nd of September. Myself here in Queensland will be uh, hitting the road, so out to Roma up to Barcald and across to Emerald and then finishing off in Rocky. So hoping to do that trip and stopping in at the service stations for little pop-up sessions. Like I said, just hoping to have a chat to industry along the way. But on the 2nd of September, 
out of the Rockhampton Leagues Club at 8am. I'm running a bit of an info session for anybody to come along. And also, if you're around that area, happy to drop in and ask any questions as well. Righto. So the drivers can rock over and say g'day and ask you anything that they like pretty much. And if you can't answer the question straight away, you'll get the answer for them. Yeah, definitely. All right, mate. Well, it's been a lot of fun having a bit of a chat to you. I know that it's sometimes a little bit tough to get a few answers out there and have people understand what's going on. Thanks for the information. I'd love to have you back again or one of your colleagues and we can talk some more. Yeah, no, definitely. Sounds good. And thanks for having me. Thank you. Kermy here from Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermy on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Our featured Aussie music artists this week go by the name of Bo Ness. In reality, their 18-year-old identical twin brothers, Callum and Jackson McPartman, hailing from Frankston in Victoria, now living in sunny Queensland, who've already achieved the kind of success most artists twice their age could only ever dream about. They finished in the top 20 of The Voice in 2020, and in the time since have appeared alongside the likes of James Rain, Jimmy Barnes, Diesel, The Angels and The Screaming Jets, to name a few. Their lyrics often tackle difficult issues and their music shares a message. As outspoken victims of bullying and domestic violence, they're ambassadors for Kind Is Cool and Bully Zero, and their lively brand of country rock has captured the hearts of fans right round the country, with flawless harmonies that make these gifted songwriters and performers truly stand out from the crowd. They are right now literally on the road, in the middle of the Variety Bash, and have graciously found the time to chat with us out there amongst the heat and the dust, with at best a dodgy phone signal to contend with. We were hoping to chat with both of them, but at the moment Callum's busy amongst other things, so we've got Jackson, and here's a chat that I had with him. Jackson, g'day. Thanks for joining us on the road. No worries. Thanks for having me. Mate, you're currently out in the middle of the Variety Bash, which a lot of us would give an arm or a leg to experience. (laughs) How did this opportunity to play your way around the bash come about? It came about by touring and, I mean, you meet interesting people and uh, all sorts of ways and places. We were down in Melbourne and met these two brilliant people, Declan and Sam, Mm -hmm. uh, husband and wife, and they do renovations for cars and do TV shows, like all that stuff. And they also do this bash and they wanted us to come on it. And when they were explaining it to me, like, first of all, I didn't know what to think, but also it sounded like such fun that I needed to get on it. So we've sort of done that and booked all around it until the end of September. So yeah, from now on, we're going to be absolutely hammered and busy. But uh, that's what we love. We wouldn't want to be doing anything else. No, cool. So you didn't actually know about the Variety Bash before this? Before this, no, I didn't. And it's been going for 30 years, so... Yeah, yeah, just a bit. You know what? Yeah. I'm under a rock or something. <laughs> well, you're forgiven, mate. You're 18, all yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Fair enough. Now, a quick question. The stage name Boness. Now, I know it has something to do with your grandmother, yeah. but how did the name come about? Oh, it was actually, we came home one day and we, we were in the midst of deciding like what the name was going to be. Yeah. And our mum actually dug up, it is from our grandmother, but it's the town that she lived in, in Scotland. So, And it sounds pretty cool. It is. It sounds pretty cool as well. For people who go there, like the Scottish people come up to us all the time and go, oh, do you know what Bourness actually is? Do you know it's not a nice tone? And I go, yeah, no, but it sounds <laughs> nice and no one knows. So, 
you know what? It's stuck ever since and we like it. Well, I've actually driven through it, so there you go. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, I'd love to go there and play there. It would be awesome. That would be awesome. So, Well, next time I go, I'll let you know you can join me. Cheers, mate. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. I haven't even been to Scotland yet, so. A beautiful place. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, you're also a part of the Red Hot Summer Tour alongside some of the absolute legends of the Aussie music industry. Tell us about the shows you've been doing. Is the tour firing up again this summer? It is. It, uh, it's a thing that's been happening every year for about uh, 11 years now, mm. and it's stuck out through COVID. It's been one of the only festivals to do it, and that's because, I mean, for a long time before we started playing on it, we were crew on it, and that's what our parents have done, and they've been there since the start. Mm. It's the same crew all around, which we love. So it's like a big family on the road, um, and you get to tour with Barnsley and Farnsey and Hunters and Collectors and James Rain and The Living In, which are some of my favourites. And I know it's probably, there's other people out there like me with similar tastes. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah. It's really lucky. Well, they must be absolutely thrilled to be playing alongside you. Yeah. <laughs> the other way around, but I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So uh, yeah, it gets like that sometimes and I can't believe it. So Yeah, how cool. Yeah, it's cool. Really cool. Yeah. Now, mate, the theme behind all you do is be kind. Yeah. What's led you to adopting that slogan? Now, ever since we started, really, we we sort of chucked on the T-shirt and we got a, a lot of reaction out of it just by wearing it. And, I mean, you know, just walking around, you get a lot of reaction. But being on stage with all, you know, the eyes on you and when you can talk about something like being kind and just, you know, something positive as well. It's not too hard to think about or do, but yeah, it makes a lot of difference. So that's sort of where we went with there. And uh, Amber does a really great job. That company has gone from a small company to a huge company all over very quickly. So she's done an amazing job. And yeah, it's, it's really good support. So yeah, kind of cool. Get on it. It's, it's, a, it's a great cause. Oh, for sure it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, as we were talking about before, we already played your new single, Still Young, a week or two ago on the show. We didn't even know we were going to be talking with you. <laughs> We've had listeners saying, who are these guys? They're brilliant. So we simply had to have a chat with you. And if it's okay, we'll actually play another one of your songs a bit later. Yeah. But can you share with us the story behind the new single, Still Young, that we played last week? Well, first of all, thank you for playing it. That's uh, amazing. And thanks, everyone, for getting us here. I mean, that's amazing in itself. Mm. But uh, the single is just sort of about just having fun and just ticking things off the bucket list. I mean, we've all been locked in COVID and we sort of wanted to write something fun. And yeah. we actually wrote it on our 18th birthday at the start of this year and zoomed in my car. Our friend, he's a songwriter. And uh, I give him a lot of credit because he's a really great songwriter and he came up with the chorus. And, yeah. Which uh, hopefully is catchy, but not too catchy to get, you know, stuck in your head in an annoying way. But <laughs> it's just basically about having fun, just doing all the things that you want, hanging with mates and just, you know, all the things that you love. Yeah. 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 And at 18, you got every right to do that too, because you guys oh, yeah. pretty much kicked in at about 16, didn't you? So you've been doing it for a while now. Yeah, everything except the drinking, which we, you know, <laughs> legal now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. So what's next for you guys after the bash is done and dusted? Pardon the pun. Oh, there's so much going on. So we've got um a few dates with the Screaming Jets. Yeah. About five up in Queensland, which is our home. Yep. Then we've got a couple of shows with Reese Maston supporting him. We've got our own show at Beanley Tavern on the 29th of September, which we're pumped about, pumped about. It's our first show up here. We did one down in Melbourne, and that's what this year's been about, just releasing our first stuff and seeing how it goes, and it's been brilliant. So... We're really, really lucky, and uh, we're also getting to open for Susie Quattro and Noiseworks uh, later in the year. Oh, awesome. With uh, One Electric Day, so yeah, yeah, it's just, it just couldn't be going better, honestly, honestly. 
it's been really a, a great year and a great experience. So we're, we're really lucky. You certainly are. That's fantastic. Cheers. I might have to try and get down to the Manly Tavern one. That's close to me, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's close to us too. We're locals around there, so... Oh, get down and have a legal beer with you. Oh, mate, get on it. <laughs> All right, we'll see you there then. Now, for those listeners who still want to know more and to find out where you're playing so they can get along to see you performing live, where can they go online to get all the info? Everything uh, you'd want to know is at www.bonusmusic.com. That's our website. Yep. And it's on our Instagram bios, and you can get to our Instagram and Facebook pages through the website, but it's got tour dates, it's got ticket links, it's got merchandise and info, and not too much info, not like the credit card details or anything, but just, you know, a little bit more behind us if you want to know that sort of stuff, and if you want to keep updated, that's the place to go 100%. Yeah. And for those that need it spelling out, the bonus is B-O-apostrophe-N-E-S-S. Or if you just put in bonus without the apostrophe, it should come up too. Oh, you're that famous now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll get the town in Scotland. Yeah, that's it. You know, you could get some different sounding music, some bagpipes or something if you're into that, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Yeah. Look, it's been great catching up with you, Jackson. We were hoping to catch up with Callum as well, but a little bit difficult with the phone line and dinner going on out there on the road. So it's been great catching up with Jackson, talking about Boness, but sadly we've run out of time. Mate, thank you so much for taking the time out of your Variety Bash commitments to come and play on the road with us. No worries. No worries. Thanks for coming on the road with us, and we will get Callum to have a chat with you with our next single. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, mate. As I said earlier, we played your new song Still Young on last week's show, so this week yeah. we thought we'd share your brilliant previous single, Light Up the Airwaves, with our listeners. Can we get you to introduce it for us, please? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. This is Line Up the Airwaves by Bonus. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Stay safe out there on the bash and have a ball. Yeah, mate, I will do. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Bye, mate. Bye.
Darren, I'm listening to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. G'day Mike, it's been a lovely day. It's a cool evening though. It has been a cool evening. It's a very cool evening down here in Sydney, mate. And unusually, I'm at home. I was going to say, judging by the quality of voice I can hear, you're not in the truck. No, I'm not in the truck. I'm sitting in my little room at the front of the house and I've been doing a few little house chores. So, yeah, I'm going back to work very shortly, though. Okay, well, if you've been doing some chores, that'll make the wife happy. (laughs) I live to make the wife happy, mate, and so should you. (laughs) Don't say that so loud. She can (laughs) hear you. Can she? (laughs) Yep. I won't say it loud then, mate. Now, speaking of wives, I don't have a wife joke for you this week. You don't? No, but an interesting news item I saw during the week. You know the giant vacuum cleaner conglomerate Dyson? Mm-hmm. Well, they apparently have been testing their own design of electric vehicles. Oh, right, eh? Yeah, but after initial testing, they decided against going into production as their prototypes really sucked. <laughs> I was going to say they have to really suck, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, leads us to our first story of this week. The Australian Road Research Board is conducting research into the safety risk of fires caused by electric vehicles in road tunnels. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I would have thought they'd have done a little bit of research on this before they said, oh, let's build some electric vehicles. Yeah. And let them drive through tunnels. (laughs) I mean, the wonderful Teslas have been driving through our tunnels now for quite some time. We do know that when these lithium-ion batteries catch fire, they do tend to burn quite well. We've seen plenty of evidence of that, not only from cars, but other things as well. Oh, yeah, they go off. They do go off. Mm. And one of the principal reasons why dangerous goods trucks aren't allowed to drive through tunnels is principally because of fires. Mm. There are some vehicles out there that are prone to spontaneous combustion. Yes. There are plenty of trucks out there with the DPF systems who are suffering from a little bit of that, particularly the ones that rely on doing the diesel particulate filter burn. Mm. They tend to sort of catch fire spontaneously, so... The fire suppression systems are what it's all about, but we do know that these lithium-ion batteries are terribly hard to put out. Yeah. you just got to wait for them to burn. So the high-voltage systems are a bit of a worry. Bob Allen, the general manager and current tunnel operator of the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, says vehicle precautions regarding high-voltage need to be taken, and it's unknown whether the vehicle is on fire as an EV or not. EV high-voltage systems are a safety risk. Yep. First responders need to be aware of the vehicle's technology and manage the incident. We talked about that with Paul Merrick ages ago. We did. And it just seems that, well, I would ask the question, why are we just now waking up to that? Mm. I mean, I would have thought this would have been a discussion that should have been had quite some time ago. Anyway, they're onto it now. The ARRB are investigating the electric fire risks. You can check out the story at bigrigs.com.au. Which prompts the question, when is an electric vehicle like a dog? Mm-hmm. When? When it goes woof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 
Uh, well, yes, exactly. Hmm. Mate, we reported a couple of weeks ago that Hino Motors Japan had allegedly falsified emissions data on some engines going back as far as 20 years. Yep. Subsequently, two Australian legal firms are calling for owners of affected Hino trucks to contact them with a view to putting together a possible class action suit against Hino Motor Sales Australia. Would you have ever thought that something like this could have happened? Who'd have thunk it? Well, who'd have thunk it? Hmm. So I'm just shocked that a, a vehicle manufacturer would falsify emissions data. What potential benefit could there be of that? Could it be that they want to sell more vehicles? I mean... The Volkswagen Golf story comes to mind. Yes. But anyway, a couple of legal firms have decided that they want to investigate the idea of doing a class action. I've got a feeling that there'll be some people that'll take them up on this. Mm. Earlier this month, Hino Motors announced that they'd suspended imports, orders and deliveries to local dealers and models impacted by the engine emissions investigation. It seemed it's taken a turn that they probably didn't expect and didn't account for. The misconduct concerning engine certification does not affect the drivability of any of these vehicles. They're not in any way unsafe. Yep. They're just not as clean as they were claimed to be. Mm. You know, obviously, if you've got people that are buying things with the expectation that they're going to be a certain way, then I suppose they've got a bit of a reason to feel slighted about that and perhaps expect that they may, in fact, be compensated for it. It just seems weird to me that we're going to go down this path, though, it just seems very American to me to be suing people for that. Oh, yeah. You know? Yep. I don't know. I mean, I'd love to know what people think about it, but I'm just surprised that they've fallen into something like this. I just didn't think that that was the way the Japs did business. You know, I'm wrong. Yeah, well, that or they hope they'd never get caught. Hmm. Well, maybe that too. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, obviously, a couple of firms there. If you're an owner of one of these vehicles and you're interested, you can go to the store, you can see the names of the firms, and you can do your own due diligence and maybe make your mind up if you want to participate. Absolutely. Though I think in this day and age, the way to make yourself popular is to say something like, I've been thinking about starting a class action. Yeah. Oh, I'll be your friend. Yeah. Following investigations by the ACCC into price fixing for demolition waste services in Sydney, waste company Bingo, my name is Bingo, B-I-N-G, Bingo Industries have entered guilty pleas to charges of criminal cartel offences. Tell me it isn't true, Mike. Well, I'd love to tell you it isn't true, mate, but it must be true because it's in print. It's in big rigs, so it must be true. Well, that's right. It must be true. Mm. I can't believe that these guys have been charged in this way. Mm. I don't know of any time this has ever happened before, and I just sort of find it extremely surprising that they're going after them so hard. Yeah. I'm not saying in any way, don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying in any way whatever they've done is, you know, nice or correct or in some way not distasteful. Mm. But Bingo's former managing director and CEO, Daniel Tartak, has been charged with two criminal cartel offences. They're making them sound like drug importers or something. Yeah. Yep. You know, that's the sort of thing I expect to be talking about when we're talking about cartels. Well, heaven forbid there's never been any cartels in the transport industry in the past. No, good God, no. Nothing like that ever happened, so... Make that perfectly clear here and now. No, no, that's right. Mm. The charges relate to alleged breaches of the cartel provisions of the Competition and Consumer Act, and they'll be heard in the federal court. So what these things are is when companies arrange to fix prices, they usually do so to increase their profits. Yep. And consumers pay the increased costs. 
this happens when you know the companies sort of get onto each other and say, well, let's just jack the price up on these things and everyone will pay. And when you don't have a lot of competition, this sort of thing's a bit easier. So cartel conduct not only frequently impacts the consumers, but it takes significant harm to competing businesses. Now, I expected all this was come about because someone maybe talked out of school. I don't know. Mm. But surprisingly, mate, the fines and this is absolutely eye-watering, $10 million. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> that is big. Three times the total benefit that has been obtained by which is reasonably attributable to the commission of the offence or the value of the benefit obtained cannot be determined 10% of the corporation's annual turnover connected with Australia. I'll tell you what, mate, it's going to be big. We're going to need to follow this story. And obviously, there's a bit of a plea there from the ACCC cartel hotline. I didn't know we had enough stuff to warrant a cartel hotline. But anyway, it seems we do. Apparently. Ring the cartel hotline 029230 if you've got any dirt on these guys and can put their weights up just a little bit more. I'm just blown away by this story, mate. I really am. I would have thought that if we were going to go after people for cartels and price fixing, there would have been people that would have been at the head of the queue way in front of bingo. Yeah, well, absolutely. If they're talking cartel, they're not talking about one business. There's got to be no. other ones involved. So, yeah, watch this space. Maybe we'll see a few more going, B-I-N-G-O. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bingo. Bingo, bingo, bingo. An embarrassing road sign blunder has been discovered with a new sign on the M1 interchange at Ormo in Brisbane with arrows directing motorists to Stapleton and Pimpermar pointing in the wrong directions. Whoops. We are on the road <laughs> I tell you what, mate, this cracks me up because I'm convinced every time I go into Queensland, none of you bastards driving cars up there know which direction you're going in anyway, <laughs> right? No clue. No clue whatsoever. So now we've got some road workers sort of trying to help you out. The thing that blows me away, this project's like a $20 million project, hmm. right? And if you can't get a detail right, like which direction Pimpamar is or which direction Stapleton is... Pimpamar. Sorry? Pimpamar. Pimpamar? Hmm. Not Pimpamar. Uh, Pronounced Pimpamar. Oh, okay. Pimpamar? That's it. <laughs> tomato, tomato, mate. Oh, let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> doesn't really bloody matter what you call it. If you don't know what direction it is, you're not going to get there. True. It's a $20 million project and they can't get the signage right. Yep. Seriously. Dude. Oh, you're absolutely right, mate. We haven't got a clue. I mean, I usually don't get to where I'm wanting to go to, but because I rode a motorcycle, at least I have fun getting there. <laughs> Can you imagine what it'd be like? You'd be coming up to it and you've got the GPS going. Yeah. And that whingy voice is saying to you, the next exit, turn left. And you're going, hang on, the sign says turn right. Left, I said. Left. <laughs> you never listen to me, you stupid man. Can you imagine the confusion there'd be? You'd be sitting there, you'd be going, what the? <laughs> I might go down and set up a tent on that intersection, get some video footage of it. Could be fun. <laughs> oh, mate, I'll tell you what, you Queenslanders. Yep. Mate, later this month, the Shell Rimula Wall of Fame in the Alice will celebrate 57 years of Australia's trucking heroes and their lifelong commitment to the road transport community across Australia. That's right, mate. 57 new inductees to the Wall of Fame. Hmm. And it is just going to be huge. Which number are you? Oh, I'm not going to get inducted, mate. No. Well, that's just wrong. <laughs> well... Tell me who I've got to talk to. I'll get it sorted. 
There are blokes out there far more deserving than me. That's all I'll say. So I'm going to go out there for this. I know. Bob McMillan talked me into it. Hmm. He said, mate, you've got to come. So I'm going out there and we're going to be talking to everyone that I can sort of round up before they see me coming <laughs> and do a few interviews. It's going to be very much a taking it to the street sort of a vibe. I'm going to go through and have a look at all the displays and talk about it. I've got a few stories to write. I'm going to write one for Big Rigs. And I'm going to write one for the New Zealand Trucking Magazine. I'm going to write one for Little Trucker Down Under. And obviously, we're going to do the story for the podcast. Well, that's good of you. If you can find the time, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> it would be good, wouldn't it, if we could find the time? <laughs> so, the Shell Rimula Wall of Fame, Shell have partnered with the Road Transport Hall of Fame to host the weekend and the celebrations this year. They're going to see a return after the devastation of the last couple of years of COVID on anything face-to-face. So, this is the first time back. 21 years now they've been doing this. And we'll be kicking off the festivities with the popular Transport Women Australia Limited Breakfast on the Friday morning. So I'm going to get there and I'm going to grab hold of Jacqueline Brotherton. We'll have a bit of a chat, I'm sure. And uh, it'll be lovely to see the girls and have a bit of a look at what's going on there. We've got the races. Did you say it was a limited women breakfast? A limited women's breakfast? No, it was the Transport Women Australia Limited Breakfast. Oh, okay. Sorry. I should have put a comma in. Yeah. Did you not hear the comma? No, I haven't got my comma hearing aid in at the moment. <laughs> haven't you? No. No, I, I thought I did put the comma in. So it's the Transport Women Australia Limited Comma Breakfast right. on Friday morning, and uh, I'll have to get up early to attend that one. Then there's the races, and there's the gala dinner on the Saturday night after the induction of the 57 new inductees. So it's going to be huge, mate, and uh, I'm actually going to have to put a nice shirt and a jacket on or something, they tell me. I won't be able to go in in a T-shirt and stubbies. Photos, mate, or it never happened? Photos or it never happened? Well, we'll see what we can do. Good out. But to date, there's over 1,700 distinguished members of our industry who have been inducted. I'm looking forward to meeting a few of them that are going to be out there. I'm really looking forward to meeting Bob face-to-face finally after all the times we've spoken together on the phone. Yeah. It's going to be a really, really big weekend. And I'm actually like a kid in a toy shop, mate. I'll bet. I've been meaning to go out there to the museum, like, a lot. (laughs) I've tried to get out there a few times. And every time I do, trucker gets in the way. I've even done loads to Alice Springs and, and not got there, so... Looking forward to it, mate, and we'll be seeing some of the classic rigs. I really can't wait to get into the Kenworth Pavilion and have a bit of a look. Oh, yeah. Tell you what, if I could get a leave pass, I'd jump on the old Trumpy and come for a ride out there. It'd be brilliant. It'd be really good. Mm. Rose is going with me to supervise. I'm not allowed to go out there unsupervised. I think that's wise. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, look, mate, it's going to be great. And if anyone wants to get out there, if anyone's going through at any time, I'd, I'd really encourage them to go and have a look. I've been talking to Dee out there who is in charge of the situation at the moment and the museum's been one of those things. It's it's an iconic place and it's really like a mecca, I suppose. Yep. And uh, I'd encourage people to get out and have a look at it. All right, mate. Well, our thought for the week, we're always talking about rest areas. Mm. And this week I thought I'd share the words of the great Stephen Wright as our thought for the week. Here he is. And another sign, next rest area, 25 miles. I thought, wow, that's pretty big. (laughs) Yeah, that really is. Mm. 
So we should pass that one on to the Minister for Rest Areas and Toilets, perhaps. <laughs> My mate Glenn, the Minister for Potholes, Busted Toilets and Broken Down Roadhouses. That's the one. That's the one. You know, he's on a bit of a drive at the moment. Where's he off to? He's been up to the northwest of Western Australia, taking mattresses and things up there. Centurion, and you know, big shout out to the guys at Centurion. No, he's done that before, hasn't he? He has, mate. He does it regularly. Hmm. So he's had a couple of busy weeks in Canberra, right? And uh, he's got back over there and jumped behind the wheel of this triple road train and taken it from Perth all the way up to Fitzroy Crossing, and you know, distributed some mattresses and and stuff that's been donated out along the way. I think he's in the process of driving it home now. Tried to call him earlier, but I couldn't get him on the phone. I love Glenn. He's a great bloke. He speaks very highly of you too. Well, <laughs> and he walks the walk. Sure does. And I respect that. Anyone that walks the walk and talks the talk, and that's a big plus for me. And, and I you know, wish you all the best with what he does as far as the charity stuff goes. You know, he doesn't take a cent for doing it. Is that right? He donates uh, the salary that Centurion would normally pay someone to do that or do those Ks in those road trains to do that delivery. He just gives that all to charity. That all just goes to charity. Centurion donated to charity. Okay. So I look forward to seeing his next adventure, really. We should hire him as a roving reporter for us. I reckon I could talk him into it. Well, let's do it. We'll see what we can do. Probably make a lot more sense than we ever do. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one, buddy. Mate, I will. I'm going to go and have a couple of hours sleep and then I'm going to climb into the big 9 and go for a drive out near Cobar. Beautiful. We'll do it and do it well, brother. Thank you very much, mate. You stay safe and we'll see you on the road. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. G'day, it's James Johnston here, and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy. Hello, something to talk about, something to think about. I must say at the start that I did record what I'm about to record with Trevor Warner. We had a bit of a chat and talked about some issues that I want to talk about with respect to recruiting drivers and things like that. So I've got to apologise to Trevor. I mucked up the recording and his side of the recording was pretty distorted and we couldn't do anything with it. Gave Andy a few minutes of excitement in the editing suite and I can only apologise to both of them for their wasted time. So we're going to go over it and do it again. 
But unfortunately, you're not going to get Trevor's side of the story, only mine. I'm sorry about that. So apologies, Trev, and apologies, Andy, for the time that went down the tube, so to speak. All right, so what I want to talk about is driver recruitment. I was driving down the Yume Highway the other day, and much to my surprise, I looked over to the left and I saw a dirty great big billboard. It was put there by a G1, GDS from Mildura, and they're looking for drivers and subcontractors and things like that. And I'm thinking, well, dear, oh dear, that's not what you normally see. It's certainly a little bit more permanent than an ad page on Big Rigs magazine, and it's a little bit more serious than a short spot advertising on a radio station or something like that. So wondering what's going on, that is a big investment. Are drivers that hard to come by? And I really think that they are. McCabe's Transport at Unidera now are offering a $5,000 sign-on bonus. Now, that's not unheard of. It's been happening over in the West for a while. You stay for six months and you'll get ten grand in some of those businesses in the West. But it's a common thing in the States to be offered sign-on bonuses. And there are always strings attached, and I'm sure there are with McCabe's deal as well. But we're at the point now where driver recruitment is becoming a real issue. People don't want to go out and drive trucks anymore. They don't want to do long-distance work. They don't want to get out there and, and do it. And we've got to ask ourselves why that's the case. Now, I think I know the answer to that. I think the answer comes down to pay and conditions. Now, I've said, if I've said it once, I've said it 100 times. The kilometre rate, in my opinion, is simply wage theft. I don't care how you spin it. If you're not being paid for the work that you do, then somehow or another, someone's making a profit out of it. It's not you. It's not fair. It's not right. All the work that we do is measured in hours in our logbook. We all know that to be true. How the hell can anyone get away with paying you from GPO to GPO when you might be running from Eastern Creek to bloody Dandenong? It's not right and it's not fair. How then can they expect you to load and unload, wash your truck, fuel your truck, do all those things that are around your truck, sit for hours on end waiting in distribution centres because it suits whatever big box carter that you need to sit there. And then even more to the point now, guys are going to sit in warehouses with fridge trailers running, with diesel being burnt at the price of diesel at the moment. How can anyone justify that? How can anyone think that that is even remotely fair, remotely sensible? It's not. In no world is it sensible. And the only people that are making any money out of this are the fuel companies, the mechanics, You'd like to think the boss is making some money out of it. But the drivers, the guys that are on the front end that are actually doing the work, we are getting five-eighths of absolutely bugger all of a share of what's going on. We need to be paid by the hour with penalty rates, with overtime rates, with RDOs, with pays for Saturday and Sunday and public holidays. Now, some of us enjoy those things, and I'm one of them, I admit it. But it's not that common. There are a lot of guys out there that are running on the K rate. And then, of course, if we look at the situation where we get guys who are getting into these bigger combinations now, and they're being paid cents on the dollar to drive a much bigger truck with much more freight, going into depots, they're expected, some of them, to help out. They're expected to help unload and reload these bloody things. And they're not getting that much more for it. And they're suffering the added penalty of having to drive the things slower. You know, a lot of them are speed limited to doing 90 on the East Coast. You can't do more than 90 in some of these PBS vehicles. These pocket road trains that they call A-doubles that we run over here on the East Coast now, 90 kilometres an hour. 
I mean, put a 53-foot trailer on and you're only doing 90 kilometres an hour. It's just not right. Not fair. It's the drivers that are actually doing the work that are out there, away from home, their families are sacrificing. We're the ones getting the logbook fines. We're the ones getting the stupid little clerical error fines. We're the ones that are actually out here on the coalface doing the job. And the people that are making all this shit happen, they jump into their car, go home, and they've got toilets and all that. Look at the crap that we've had to put up with at Gatton, a place that really should have toilets and a shower and, and all that sort of thing, and they don't even bother to put it there. $18 million they spent on that facility, and what do we got there now? A couple of bloody plastic portaloos. Now, it's a big step forward to nothing, but it is in no way good enough. Look at the rest areas that we've got. There are some really, really good ones out there, and some of us enjoy them and use them. But the vast majority of places where you stop in this country, no toilets. There might be a rubbish bin. There might be a bloody cement table with a half ass sort of awning over the top of it. You've got blokes driving small cab over prime movers with no room. You can't put anything in them. No one seems to get a custom interior in this country. I don't understand why not. It doesn't make any sense to me. And we wonder why we can't recruit drivers. Well, we're not paying them enough. That's the first thing. The conditions are terrible. People say to me, oh, well, don't be a truck driver then. We're not holding a gun to your head. Well, no, you're not. I personally love what I do. I drive, I get out there, I have a concert in the cab, I enjoy myself, I do my job, I'm lucky, I've got a great job, work for a great company, and everything's, for me, quite happy. But there are some guys out there that don't enjoy what I enjoy, and my goal in life has always been to, in some way or another, make other guys' lives more comfortable. And I want to point out that while you've got people like G1 that are putting billboards on the side of the road, I honestly think if you look at the social media, every man and his dog is after drivers. Now, I'm wondering if they factored in the cost of all this recruiting in their turnover. Why are they having drivers walk away? Drivers walk away from management. They don't walk away from truck driving. They give up their job because something is happening in that job that they can't live with, and for some reason they can't talk about it. Now, that's on management, in my opinion. If your drivers can't come to you and have a chat about what's going on in their job, you haven't told them that they can come. And managers, that's on you. Drivers leave managers. They don't leave trucking. What they do is they take their very transportable skills, their very portable skills, and give them to someone else, whether it's for more money, better trucks, better conditions, a better lifestyle, more home time, whatever it is. Businesses need to learn that the asset that they have, which is most important to them, is the good drivers they have. I'm sure there are some companies who would say, you know, I don't care if Billy leaves. He's a pain in the ass. He's been a pain in the ass the whole time he's been here. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out, Billy. And I'm sure there's a few of those around. And if that's your choice and you want Billy to go, by all means, let him go. But I'm also sure there are drivers out there working for companies who the bosses would be heartbroken if they left. And they're out there and they do do it and they do leave. And they go somewhere else. They don't quit trucking. They don't go and start playing marbles or professional golf or working in the shop. They generally take their portable skills and go somewhere else. It's about time people need to realise and understand, the management need to understand, that you're much better off to maybe spend some more money on some trucks with some better facilities in them or make sure that you're getting your drivers home on the weekend or doing whatever it is that you need to keep those good workers working for you, not taking their skills and going somewhere else. This is stuff that we need to talk about. 
we really, really do need to get a handle on this. Driver recruitment, driver retention and driver training, for me, are the three biggest issues in transport right now, right up there with rates. If you're not getting paid the right rates, then you can't do any of the other three things. Everyone's carrying on like two bob watches now about the bloody fuel tax credit. Well, the fuel tax credit's coming back. The government have said it's coming back. Senator Stirl said it's coming back. I'm having a chat with Senator Brown in the next week or so. I'm fairly certain that she'll be telling me it's coming back. I'll be surprised if there's anything else other different. Every time it's come up, everyone said it's coming back. For God's sake, stop bleeding about it. There is nothing going to change. And even if it doesn't come back, you've got to move on and deal with that. The answer to the question is and always has been rates. You've got to be paid properly for what you do. This is something we haven't done very well. We need to sort that out and get on top of it and then sort out the driver retention, driver recruitment, driver training issues. That's where I'm at on all this. These things need to be sorted out. That's something to talk about, something to think about. If you've got anything to say, please feel free to email me, mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Give me a call, 0418 Send me a text message. If you want to come on the show and have a chat, more than happy to have you on the show to have a chat about it. Take it easy out there. Stay safe. Oh, by the way, Captain's Mountain's reopening or reopened. Get in there and try it out. It used to be one of the best roadhouses in Australia. I've had a look at the pictures. I'll tell you what, the big breakfast looks pretty good, and so does the McTrill. I reckon I'll be up there trying that out next time I'm up in the area. Take care out there. Keep it safe. We'll see you on the road. James Johnston has become one of our favourite Aussie music artists here on the road. We've aired a few of his hits over the past couple of years and we're excited to be able to share his latest single with you this week. Just released last Friday, here's James Johnston and Kaylee Bell with Same Songs. Wagon wheel and chicken fried Take me back to Friday nights With good friends at 2am Just drinking round some fire Baton Rouge and days go by The sweet home Alabama drive now These are the soundtracks to the stories of my life And I know wherever I go These songs will always take me home
Well, that's the show for another week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. Be sure to join us again next week when Mike says... Can I actually speak English? Andy says... Well, actually, no. And our guest says... Thanks for putting up with it. Until then, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Yeah, I know wherever I go, these songs will always take us home. So, we're all singing to the same songs, come on, cause they're